Welcome back, listeners. It's uh, Gregor Winter together with Ned Aram again. It's 12.13 in the, in the morning. 12.30 in the morning. Yep, uh, we just finished up the day of the six, uh, 96A session and 71A session. And guess where we are? We're back at kidding me. We're back at our favorite restaurant. But to be fair, we did eat um, somewhere else for lunch yesterday. We went to go get Hot Pot. Yeah. We ate somewhere else for lunch today as well. We did. Yeah, let's go into this first. Um, so, we wanted to get something different today. So, we stopped by a burger chain or fast, like Western fast food chain. It, it wasn't so much that we were looking for this specific type of food. We just yeah. we just didn't want to go to kidding me again. So, we were like, let's... And, and it was the same thing the day before. So, we went to the... Um, by the way, sorry about the background noise of the TV volume. Yeah, but, should we move back? Um, uh, nah, let's just, yeah. let's just hope That's it, what you get, listeners. Let's, let's hope it picks up. You get what you pay for. I don't want the, the guy to think we're leaving yeah. if we just start walking towards the front door. But just give him a panic attack yeah, for yeah. like five meters. <laughs> like, we just started making no. your drinks. Yeah. Um, so we, so we got the worst food so far on this trip. Well, it, yeah, like, I actually, I was in the mood for a good burger. Not not so much that I'm tired of Chinese food because I actually really like Chinese food a lot, but yeah. um, I just I just was in the mood for a good burger. No, I don't think we have any good burger places around us. At least not that I'm aware of. Yeah, it doesn't look like it. So, but I was open to eating other stuff too. I mean, we walked into three or four restaurants before we went to that place. Yeah, and we looked at some menus and we um, we were just looking around just to see what the options were and we either. Um, there was one or two places that we were interested in, but there was just someone sitting there just, you know, smoking up a storm, and we didn't want to sit next to that guy. It wasn't like a big restaurant. We'd pretty much be yeah. sitting directly next to a guy smoking. Or it was just like we couldn't figure out what they were, what their food was, because they didn't have any pictures of the food or on the menu. And yeah. So we went to a bunch of places, then eventually we saw a place that looked like it had like kind of just like chicken sandwiches and uh, or meat sandwiches and... It was really bad. Yeah, it was bad food. Just bad food. But then we went out and literally right next to our hotel. Oh, not not, not no, literally right, right next to. But That's I mean, the other place, yeah. te- technically it was about five or six restaurants away from our hotel, but still about a, about a thirty second walk from yeah. our hotel front door. So, <laughs> which is ridiculously close. Um, yeah, and there's a Korean restaurant. You know what? What's what, what's I, I think I'm willing to chance moving because it's just yeah. it's too loud being right next to this stuff. Yeah. Okay. So listen, us, I'm picking you up. Yeah, we're gonna move. Taking my drink, taking our order, and walking towards Ned. Okay. Here we All are. Right. All right, listeners. Uh, by the way, are we steaming your phone with the hot water right now? Yes. <laughs> okay. Gregor's phone is on top of a little mug of hot water for some reason they just bring you straight up just hot water here not yeah. not tea not hot water in a in like a some sort of thing that you would dump into another cup to make tea it's literally just a glass of hot water i think it's flavored though it, Is doesn't it, it have like some orangey sometimes some very mild orange flavor yeah. in we've, there. we've had a couple places where it was just straight up just hot water because i tried it and it was it wasn't flavored but yeah all right, it should be quieter in the background now, I think. Yeah, maybe. 
There, there, might, be, there might just be speakers throughout this place. Yeah. I can't tell. Maybe they have a Sonos. Um, anyway, so yeah, we went We went to get that food. Or, we, or sorry, we went to get that food first. It was gross. Then we ended up going to the Korean place. And we had some nice bibimbap. One of my favorite foods of all time. Because it's easy to eat. You can just really dig into it. It has rice. It has uh, bulgogi meat. The, uh, the other customers in there, as well as the women who ran the restaurant, were laughing at Gregor because he apparently doesn't eat it the right way. But they approved of the way I was eating it. Yeah. Which, I guess the way you're supposed to eat eat it, and this is the way I was taught. I don't even, I don't even remember the first time I had it. Probably, for sure, more than 10 years ago. And it wasn't something I ate, actually, growing up. Same. For some reason, I'm not, I'm not sure why. I guess we didn't go to Korean restaurants as a family, even though my parents, like, eat a ton of other types of food okay. but for some reason we didn't go to Korean restaurants I didn't have Korean food until I was uh, well in my late 20s really yeah no I, I remember having it a few times you know when I was kind of like college age stuff like that but um, yeah anyway um, bottom line is the, the way that you're supposed to eat it is you're supposed to mix everything up and actually most people I've found eat it with the spoon they like they don't like mix it with a spoon and then break out chopsticks. They yeah. just they, they mix it with a spoon and they eat it with a spoon. It's kind I of like a, it's, like a, it's yes. like a long handled spoon. So that was what I started doing immediately, which mm. they seemed to approve of. And then Gregor just did like a very slight mixing and then just started picking at individual items in out of the bowl. With, I like to mix it in my mouth, just pick yeah. a little rice, pick some pick mix. some meat. And then he started eating it with chopsticks, which I was like, I'm not sure you're supposed to eat it with chopsticks. But anyway, um, eventually Gregor gave up and just started eating it with uh, eating it with yeah. with a spoon. To the laughter of the waitress. Yeah, the waitress. And, the, and to, to be amusement. another thing to point out too is that the people who ran the restaurant were speaking Korean, not Chinese. Yeah, I'm sure they did understand Chinese. Obviously, you can't <laughs> operate in China not knowing Chinese. But apparently, you can get pretty far operating not speaking Chinese because we could get into this right now. Ned successfully <laughs> opened a Chinese bank account today. Um, yeah. today. So we went into the Bank of China office, um, which is very close to our hotel, because I ran out of cash. And yesterday they refused to exchange my dollars to RMB because I had just had a tourist visa. I was like, guys, what am I supposed to do here? I need to buy some food. And they, they said, yeah, you either need like a Chinese person with a Chinese ID to do it for you, or you, um, that is ordering. Yeah, either you need a Chinese ID, or you. I'm sorry. Go, go. Keep going. Keep okay, going. I'm, uh, I'm trying to tell the waiter something. Okay, with Google Translate. Oh, please. Yeah. Yeah. Either this or what was I going to say? Oh, Sorry, so, so, so in, in, okay. So Gregor's a little tired because, to be fair, it is twelve twenty in the morning right now. Yeah. Um, the rule in general, in like, the, if you walk into most banks in China, mm. it, and by banks I mean most branches. Obviously, there's only so many different like banking institutions here. There's actually a lot, but there's there's probably like ten or fifteen like big banks, okay. like really big, multi, like all over the country sort of banks. Um, 
the, if you walk into most of them, what they're going to tell you if you try to open a bank account as a non-Chinese citizen. If you're a Chinese citizen, it's super easy. You could probably go and open a bank account in like 15 minutes. Walk out with a card the same day. Everything's good. Hmm. If you're not a Chinese citizen, then in general, if you have a work permit, like you're working for a Chinese company or you're living in China working in some capacity or something like that, basically if you have a long-term visa of one year or more, basically where you enter China and you can legally stay in China for at least one year according to what's written in your Chinese visa, in those cases it's also relatively easy to open a bank account. It's straightforward and no real, in almost all cases a bank in China is not going to deny you an account Hmm. if that's the case because they do realize you have to live and operate here. Yeah. Um, Also, um, you know what, let's put in the order too. Thank you. So, yeah. So he's uh, he's here. So we get Xiaolongbao? Two. Okay. We're, we're just reviewing the order. Right yeah. Now. So the way it works is um, you get a pen, a pencil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And check off what you like on the menu. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Good. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, so we just put in the smallest ever order at kidding me yeah they're um, kind of upset I think yeah he's, he's a little mad he he's, ran away in the kitchen he's so. disgusted anyway. so anyway if you're if you're a Chinese um, work permit holder I don't even know if it's technically all work permits but if you have a long term visa you can also get a bank account hmm. now for other situations if you have a tourism visa there's basically no bank that will ever offer you the ability to open an account yeah. at least now this wasn't the case maybe 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago at one point in time um, you could just walk into a bank and just open an account mm-hmm. but it, the rules have gotten a lot tighter so what we're talking about is like 2019 rules yeah. um, not, say, not past rules they wouldn't even exchange uh, US Money. dollars if I had with my tourist visa right yeah they required someone either with a business visa like Ned has or like a Chinese person with a Chinese ID card yeah yeah so um so we came back. Well, this is the other thing. So I kind of fall into a gray area because, like I said, tourism, at this point, 2019 rules, you cannot open a bank account with a tourist visa. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, the people who are like Chinese citizens or long-term visa holders, they can open a bank account for sure. Mm-hmm. The people in the middle are people like me who I have a non-tourist visa. I have a what's called a business slash trade visa or like under Chinese categories it's an M visa and tourism I believe is an L visa so with an M visa you are allowed to do certain things in the country Um, like for instance I have a multiple entry so I can I can just keep coming back to visit visit China over and over it's a 10 year long visa so I have a visa through I don't even know. I think it's like 2026 or something when it expires. It actually expires after my passport um, expires, and then um, you know it's. But it's not. It's not quite as uh, much many like possibilities for you as someone who who has a long term like one year plus per stay visa. Hmm. So um, I went to. It was. I believe it was four banks in Wuxi, which is the city where I was staying the first couple days in China, where I was visiting with some, um, basically companies that make stuff for us here. And one of the people from that company, or one of those companies, basically took me to four banks. And he speaks, obviously, fluent Chinese. He is Chinese. And so he was like, 
it, there was no loss, you know, no misunderstanding of, or whatever. He knew exactly what I wanted to do. He was able to explain it. All four banks that we went to, and we went to four different banks. We went to Bank of China. We went to ICBC. Okay. Um, we went to HSBC. We went to um, what was the other one? It's like it's called like China, uh, China. Uh, I don't even remember. It doesn't matter. We we went to four big big banks, um, and all of them said basically no, hmm. that they would not open the account. One of them said that they could do it if we came back with certain other documentation, blah, 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 blah. But they said that it would take about a month to get an answer as to whether the account was approved. And they also said that, it, we, like I said, we would have to come back with stuff. So it wasn't even an option for us to do it. What other reasons did they give you for denying it? Their reason was essentially that they don't open bank accounts... For, if for people who don't have one year, straightforward. You know, if if it had said one year, because mm -hmm. my my visa says sixty days, okay. on, not in terms of the whole thing, but in terms of like per entry, okay. I guess sixty days. Huh. So I guess I cannot do book like a seventy day trip to China, which is okay. I don't plan on doing that. But basically, they said if it said one year there, no problem. They'd open it right away. Gotcha. And I, they said I would have had it in like. I would have had a card in 15 minutes or 20 minutes. Yeah. But because of my visa, they would they said no. So I kind of assumed after going to these four banks with yeah. a Chinese speaker... Kind of gave up on it. And also, another thing that we did on purpose... So this guy's name is... Or his English name is Bob. One thing that Bob decided to do when I was telling him about this, that, that I kind of wanted to do this, he said, well, here's what we should do. We should go to the central branch in Wuxi, which is, Wuxi is a pretty big city. It's not, nothing like, you know, Guangzhou or Shanghai or Beijing or something like that, but it's a pretty big city. It's got millions of people. By by Western standards, it's a huge city. Yeah. By Chinese standards, it's, it's not that big. Hmm. And it's also not, it's, you know, it's only maybe a couple hours from Shanghai and it's very close to another ginormous city called Suzhou and, um, You know, it's kind of like overshadowed in the region or whatever, but it's definitely a pretty big city. So his his recommendation was to go to the biggest branch in the city, like basically like the central branch, mm -hmm. not like a little kind of side branch yeah. that has like one ATM. Like we went into these like massive buildings okay. that had like just rows and rows of ATMs and rows and rows of machines, and it probably had like. I would say a bunch of them had like 50 teller windows in them. Mm -hmm. Like we went to the biggest branch in the city because he figured that's the one that probably has the authority to open it if there is an authority. And we also explained that, first of all, I could prove that I buy stuff from China. And yeah. That's no problem. I could show them the proof. Um, and number two, we explained that I was not trying to do it to like run tons of money through it or do anything crazy. Like I literally just want it for like WeChat Pay and Alipay, which are these big payment services in China. Anyway, uh, they all said no. We, you know, eventually just gave up after the fourth one said no because I also had to catch my train down to Ningbo. And, and then 
we walk into this little branch in good old Ningbo. Yeah, one that we've walked by about like three, 20 times at this three point. Three tellers in there, right? Not a big one. Yeah. I've been to a lot of Bank of China, you know, not a lot. I'll say I've been 10 over the yeah. years to like take out money or this or that. And this was a small one, not a big one. It wasn't a big one. And you didn't even ask <laughs> if you open could open it. a bank account. She offered it to you. Basically, here's what was going on. Um, Gregor, like he said, was trying to change $100 into RMB. Um, they wouldn't let him do it with his visa. So I said, okay, let's go back and I'll do it. And then I'll just give you the money. I mean, it's, you know, we're not like, you know, doing some sort of like high stakes uh, tax evasion here. It's like, like we're talking about $100. Yeah. So then... Um, we go to the window, she looks at my visa, she says it's okay, she starts filling out paperwork, and then it's going on and on. Like Surprisingly long process for exchanging. Like it, People, you've probably exchanged money, like you go to an airport, there's a booth, you exchange yeah. money, it takes two minutes, they take your passport, maybe you write, Sometimes you, you they take it. your passport, some countries they don't. Sometimes some, they even, yeah, don't even need your passport, like in Georgia. Um, in, in Georgia, we, we changed money the first night we were there, and yeah. we literally just went to a window, we handed the guy some money, he yeah. he used a calculator to show us how much we would get of Georgian Lari, and then that was it. That was it, yeah. He gave us the money. But here, just the process, like it was like three papers that it, needed to be filled out. It was a, it was a lot of paperwork, and they yeah. were also asking some really like I wouldn't say invasive questions necessarily because what I would it, say invasive questions. Maybe maybe to like a German who because like in the EU they're like super obsessed with privacy and stuff like that. Yeah. I guess as an American who's used to like Facebook knowing what I ate for breakfast, I'm not so concerned about it. But they asked questions like what hotel I was staying at. And what room number I was in. It's like, are you coming to visit us? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what are you going to do? <laughs> it's, 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 like, it's like, this is an unusual set of questions yeah. for changing on $100. She also like, has your private phone number. Like, this isn't, this isn't like I'm, I'm under some sort of application. To, like, I could buy a gun easier in the U.S. than doing this. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's just, it was, it, was, it was a lot of questions. It was a lot of paperwork. It was like, fill out your address in China. Fill out your address at home. You know, fill out your company name, fill out your tax ID, fill out this, fill out that, blah, blah, blah. And then at some point, probably I would say half an hour into it, I said something like, this is a lot of paperwork to change $100. Yeah. And and she said something back like, oh, well, like if you have an account, I mean, there's, you know, she didn't speak great English. She understood, though. Um, first of all, I'm surprised they actually spoke English um, a little bit. I actually find... Um, I find that young people in China who work in professional sort of situations, like like, like a banking thing or whatever, they tend to actually speak a fair amount of English. Okay. And not, you know, not like fluent, like high speed, but they they tend to know because it does seem like English is a a significant part of like the Chinese educational system. Mm -hmm. But people like weightlifters who spend their whole lives either in sports schools or at training bases, Yeah, they tend to not really learn English. And I'm not sure if it's just like, because I don't know if this is accurate, but the way it's been described to me with a lot of sports schools, let's say Tian Tao when he was like eight was probably at some sort of sports school. Hmm. He he probably spent like half the day doing sports stuff and like half the day in the classroom. That's the way it was always described to me. Um, I could be off. I don't. I don't really know. But I'm just imagining that if that is the case, mm-hmm. they have to like take half the school day and like yeah. remove it. Yeah. So they're probably like, well, all right, well, you know, if you're doing half the day with sports, one of the things that gets chopped is English. Exactly. And so I think that the Chinese that we're exposed to through weightlifting most of the time just don't don't know English 
partly for that reason, I would guess, but um, it might also just be that the people who are in these roles tend to, the people that are in these roles that we came across in the bank just kind of focused harder on their education. It might be that Tiantown was taught English, but just yeah. wasn't taking it seriously because in the same way that in the like U.S. Me like, with French. Yeah. yeah. Well, in the same way in the U.S., like football players, a lot of times don't necessarily take their stuff seriously, if especially if they're really good. Like, yeah. I mean, football players or basketball players or a lot of sports stars are known for just being you know, just kind of like non-factors in the classroom. <laughs> um, now, of course, there's lots of smart ones, too. I'm not saying there aren't smart ones, but um, that's kind of like a, a generalization that definitely has some aspect of truth to it. Mm. Um, so anyway, uh, basically, I was just saying this is a lot of paperwork, and she said, um, uh, you know, well, if you had an account, this would be easy. Mm. And I'm like, uh, okay, can, can I get an account? And she's like, <laughs> She, she kind of like looked at some stuff and then I said, okay, I'll open an account for you. Hmm, that's not what we ordered. It's not what we ordered, but it looks... It looks good. Uh, you know, I thought that's what it was because it, it said egg and scallion, which I thought was kind of what was in the other thing, but I guess it wasn't scallion. No. What was the white stuff in the other thing? Because there was some sort of like white shoots in the other thing that looked... Anyway, I know. Gregor, Gregor just got some eggs and scallion that actually looks really good. Yeah, that's right. If you want um, Anyway, so she ended up. It took a lot longer. It took yeah. a, it, took, it took at least another forty five minutes. We were um, in the bank for a long time. We were in the bank for an hour and a half. I'd say. I started talking to locals. Um, talked about their children, the education, yeah, the family. Made some friends. Found a wife. Broke up with her. Yeah. Um, yeah, the children are on their own now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we were in there for like a solid, almost ninety minutes, I think. But, yeah, continue, maybe. The good news is that now I have a Chinese um, bank card, which doesn't sound like a great accomplishment, because in the U.S. people are like, oh, wow, you have a debit card, what's the big deal? So what can you do with this thing? That's the key. The key to having a Chinese bank card is it gives you so many opportunities to do things more conveniently in China, because it means you can sign up for WeChat Pay and Alipay. Yeah. Oh, sorry, you can sign up for WeChat Pay and Alipay pretty much... Not it's not too much of an issue to sign up. Now to fund it is another story. If you're a if you're an American or basically if you're anyone who doesn't have a Chinese bank card, you're going to have a hell of a time funding these things consistently. Yeah, I um, couldn't even get it to work. Yeah, Gregor, Gregor couldn't get it. To, oh. So, um, and there there are some tricks. Like it used to be back in the day that you could on WeChat you could have some user who had WeChat Pay transfer you money give them cash and then all of a sudden WeChat Pay would show up for you and you could just use it as if you deposited I think the Chinese wised up to that and now a lot of those workarounds don't work anymore and there's these online funding sources where you can essentially pay with a credit card pay a fee and then they'll just transfer you WeChat Pay money but it still won't work because if your account it, it doesn't have like real name verification or whatever then, then it's just not going to work um, so so basically if, if your account doesn't have real name verification it's not going to work and the only way to get real name verification is um, by the way these are getting bigger and bigger Yeah, this is definitely we're getting more and more Ned is talking about the rice noodle roll the rice noodle I forgot rolls. the Chinese name um, but the first day we got like three pieces so, and now it's like a solid six piece thing 
Now it's eight. Eight or nine. Yeah. Um, the rice noodle guy in the back was just like, these people keep ordering it. I yeah. keep making it bigger and they're still ordering it. <laughs> um, anyway, so the only way to do the real name verification as of right now is to have a bank card. Um, you can add a, a foreign bank card, or sorry, like a foreign credit card to your WeChat Pay or whatever, but you can't do anything with it. It won't let you put money into your WeChat Pay, so it's literally just in there. It will let you use it to buy certain things, um, but it will not let you use it to like just do what most people do with WeChat Pay, which is like pay for something that costs like 10.6 RMB at like a corner store or whatever. The way it works is at every store, at the storefront or at a desk, um, you have these QR codes, even at restaurants, um, little shops. Literally, we have one on the restaurant table here. Maybe that should be the photo of this episode. I'll just take a picture of it right now. So this way, people at home, if they want to, could send this restaurant money if they happen to have WeChat by scanning the QR code. All right, I just took a picture of it. Oh, it asked me if I wanted to open the QR code link when I took a picture of it. So you scan the QR code on WeChat Pay, and then you just enter the amount you, you want to pay, and the restaurant gets a notification. It went through, and you don't have to use any cash. The government can like trace all your steps. Mm-hmm. Just the good stuff. But it's very, very convenient. It's you can also do other things with it. Like, you can buy rail passes mm-hmm. um, sorry train passes I guess is what we would say in the US you can buy movie tickets you can buy food so it's kind of like Uber Eats and you know uh, all these other apps all in one of course you can use DD which is the kind of like the Uber of China yeah. um, All and it's all wrapped into one and it just bills you all through that way so it all comes out of your bank account or your WeChat you don't have to like carry cash There's a lot of people in China who just don't carry cash at all, and they're entirely reliant on their phone to do this stuff. And all these people don't know how to shuffle poker chips, uh, coins. I mean, yeah. So you could you could explain what we did today upon waking up in terms of the coins. Yeah, go to Ned's uh, Instagram at Ned Aram and check his latest post. So Ned, with his poker history. Um, is very good at shuffling or doing coin tricks. He does this where he... They're basically imported poker chip tricks. Chip tricks, It's it's basically something that you're really meant to do with poker chips, Mm -hmm. but you can also do with coins if you're good at it. The coins are more difficult. The coins are difficult because they're smaller, but... Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So, the way it works... Today, I was in a... After waking up, I was in a boot camp to learn (laughs) how to shuffle coins. Basically, you have two stacks of coins... And then you magically um, combine the two into a neatly shuffled like. How do you? How would you explain it? Um, well, you just you just try to get them to alternate. It's shuffling. Yeah, it's alternating. You know, because you could just kind of attempt to maybe shove them together, where you have like a stack of three, then a stack of two, then a stack of one, then a stack of two, or whatever. Yeah. But you're trying to alternate one coin, then one coin, then one coin, yeah. then one coin, one left, kind of like one right, one neatly, left, one right. neatly shuffle them. And of course, it gets um, the higher the coin stack, the harder it gets. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we just watched Ned's latest video of the, to see the magic. I couldn't do it. I couldn't even pick up one. Gregor, um, Gregor's not good at it yet. But the thing is, is that it takes a lot of practice because yeah, you can't learn it in five minutes. I mean, if you can, send us a video. 
I actually think that it's probably impossible for anyone to learn in a couple minutes mm-hmm. if they didn't play poker and, and shuffle chips. Oh, yeah. If someone was a poker player who shuffled chips, they might be able to do it literally out of the box, like with no practice and no coaching and no okay. nothing. No. Because like once you get the feel for shuffling no. poker chips... It's a nice car. Yeah. Wow. Um, once you get... Once you get the feel for shuffling poker chips, um, you you will have the feel for shuffling coins as well. And there's a couple other tricks that I do as well. Like yeah, one where he has um, three coins or even more um, between his, I guess, thumb and index and maybe middle finger. Takes up the two outside coins, flips the middle coin, and puts them all back together neatly. Yeah, it's basically like a coin. Uh, it's, it's kind of a coin flipping rotation. trick. It's it's yeah. more simple or it's easier to do than the shuffling. Yeah. Um, but it's it's still tough. Most yeah. most people cannot get it um, even with a fair amount of practice. Yeah. But yeah, they're both they're both fun tricks, especially the dropping down coin thing. Because the thing about the shuffling is that most people look at it and they instantly think I can't do that. Yeah. Because it does actually look kind of difficult. But with the coin little flip thing, it looks deceptively easy, especially when someone who knows what they're doing does it. Um, and a lot of people look at it and say, let me try. Yeah. And then they pick up the coins, and either they literally can't even get the and coin... finger spasm. Yeah, they, they can't even get the coin separated in any way. Yeah. Or maybe we need to put up like a GIF of me doing it for the for the Patreon post or for the podcast Well, depending on how long this episode goes and if it's before 3 a.m., I might do a GIF. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I can do this one uh, in my own way, which is not a good way. I can do it once, but the goal is to do it continuously to just keep on flipping and flipping and flipping without thinking. The way that Gregor does it is... I use the wrong is, finger. Is, 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 yeah, he, he does it the wrong way, and the problem with doing it the wrong way, it's kind of like the same way as you'd say, like, oh, someone snatches the wrong way or someone jerks the wrong way, Yeah, and they're still doing it. You'd just be like, well, there is no wrong way as long as you make the lift in some ways. But the problem with Gregor's way is it's not reliable. Like, he can't do it consistently. Like, if I was like, Gregor, this is life or death, do it right now. Most likely, he would he would die. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, there goes ATG. Yeah, there goes ATG. It's gone. Sorry, patrons. But um, the uh, the thing about the right way is that it's very repeatable. I I, I would say I'm not a hundred percent because there are times I'll mess it up. But I could, if you were to like, this is life or death. Do it right now. I could probably have like a ninety something percent chance of living. Hmm. So that's kind of the difference. It's like one's reliable and repeatable over and over and over. And I can do, I can string it together where I just do it ten times in a row, no problem. Hmm. There's, there's no the way that Gregor does it. There's no way to do that. But yeah, so this is a, it's a fun little party trick. Um, yep, it's one of my favorite things when people ask me if I can use chopsticks. Which, by the way, I can use chopsticks, no problem. It's not, not difficult. Um, when people ask me, especially people who were native chopstick users, ask me if I can do it, I'm like, well, can you do this? Mm-hmm. Just because it's a much more difficult thing to do with your hands than using chopsticks. Yeah. Um, and very, very few people can do it, but people all try, especially the, the coin dropping down. Yeah. So basically, I woke up to this. I had to go to the boot camp. Yeah. Ned wouldn't let me eat and have breakfast before successfully completing the lift. 
and and he didn't successfully complete it, but I still let him meet. So yeah, that was nice. Thank you. Thank you. I guess we should talk about the lifting at some point. We're uh, uh, we're thirty one minutes in. We haven't mentioned. We talked about yet. banks, uh, <laughs> coin flipping, Chinese banking, um, coin Korean flipping. food. There's no one left. Like the only people listening are the Chinese banking authorities. But anyway, continue. Okay. Ooh. What is that? I just spit on a bone of some kind. Um. So lifting, of course. Yesterday we talked about um, the session, and yeah, it was. Um, uh, 96A with Tiantao and uh, Miso Hasona, basically the main protagonist in the session. And of course, Ilya Ilin was in there lifting. He lifted more than I thought he would. Yeah. He actually took all three snatches. He took three snatches, but only did one clean and joke, 185, mm-hmm. and then skip. Um, yeah, I got a lot of messages about that. Um, yeah, we start maybe with Miso. Opening at uh, 70, 70? Yeah, 70. 70, yeah. Missing 74, and then making 74 on the third. And that, by the way, is an international competition PR for him. So it started off, uh, I'd say, pretty good for Miso. Was it the Meso? Did he, did he make 73 at Junior Worlds? Is that what it was? He made 73 in a training hall in Ashgabat. Did he do 70? I can't use my phone right now. To, uh, look it up. I'm pretty sure that he made 70... No, I think, I think he made 73 sev- was a PR I in Ashgabat. Made, I thought he made 75 in... Um, in training. No, no. what did he make in at Junior Worlds? Was it 70? I think so. 71? See, I for some reason I remembered him making more, like 70, 73, 73 maybe at Junior Worlds. I'm like 99% Worlds. sure 73 was a PR in the training hall. I'm, I'm looking this up now because... Yeah, we um, don't want to... I mean, uh, I, I I know we've talked about my numbers memory, but the problem was was that at Junior Worlds, I actually wasn't at a lot of the sessions. I actually had a little uh, helper, this like fifteen year old kid named uh, Muhammad, um, helping me. He was he's he's the son of one of the Uzbek Federation vice presidents, and I was paying him. Don't worry, I'm not no no free labor or whatever. Yeah. Not a kid of Yuki, but um, yeah, he. Uh, he was shooting a lot of the sessions, so I actually don't remember stuff from that meet as well. Mm-hmm. But is it my channel? Bro? That is your channel. Oh. Bro. Yeah. I was looking for the red stuff that was always on there. Yeah, I'm not sure what today? happened there. Maybe they ran out of it. Yeah. We're getting slightly different stuff yeah. today. All right, Getting so Junior World. See, I thought that it... I'm, I'm not looking at the results yet, by the way. Um, Gregor, Gregor can see I haven't scrolled down yet. Um, but for some reason, I thought at Junior Worlds that he did 75 and then um, Revas did 76. Is that not right? Let me see. I would be shocked. Oh, no, sorry. I'm off by five. He did 70, Revas did 71. I think Revas did, did Revas do 76 at Worlds. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wait, no, he didn't. He did not? Oh, wait, no, no, maybe he I did. He did. I'm, I'm looking at the old body weight shit. It's annoying how the IWF separates these results pages now for athletes with mm. old body weight, new body weight. Mm. Um, I, it's more than one time that I thought someone didn't go to Worlds because I looked at their <laughs> old page, not their new page. Yeah. Um, all right, so let me just let's just double check this here. So at Worlds, I'm making a mess. Sorry. Okay, oh, no. so at Worlds, Meso did 71, and. Uh, Revest, yeah, revest at 76. Okay, so yeah. So I guess it was a competition, uh, international competition PR for him, and um, a pretty big snap. I mean, yep. it looked it looked good, too. 
Um, it was it was like a little bit, uh, you know, he, he stood up a little bit kind of shakily, but it still looked solid. Yeah. And then he did not do look good in the clean and jerk. Yeah. He, well, let's talk about the snatches first. Okay. So Tian Tao opened with 75. Smoked it. Smoked it. 81. Smoked it. Smoked it. 83. What happened there? I don't remember. 83, I think he just didn't... Like, the coaches were motioning to him that he didn't finish his pole, really. That okay. he kind of, like, cut it short a little bit. Okay. Um, and uh, I actually think that 81... It, it, I don't know if he smoked 81. I just like to say that people smoked it. But Snatches... Um, Snatches went well for him. I think that the, the 81 was a little bit tough. That was why they did a, a small jump. Hmm. Um, yeah. But, yeah. I'd say Tian Tao just doesn't... He doesn't really, you know, like snatches don't come to him as naturally as they do for some other people. I don't think he obviously is a really good snatcher. I mean, he just snatches one eighty one and ninety six, ninety six. But yeah, he's not like a like a Lou or Liao sort of guy who really just like has mastered snatching. Yeah, even Shizhi Yang, you know, Shi Yang doesn't have perfect picture perfect snatch technique like Lou does, but um, Shizhi Yang. Still, you know, snatched 95 kilos over body weight, you know, and Tian Tao is still at 85, which, and 85 kilos over body weight, don't get me wrong, it's good, but it's nothing to really be like, oh, that's like one of the best snatches of all time. Once you approach like the 95 range, then that's where, and by the way, this is how I judge snatches that aren't in the, um, aren't at the extreme ends. In general, in my mind, like, if you're weighing anywhere from about 70 to 110, mm -hmm. the best way to judge how good a snatch is against another snatch is just snatch over body weight. Okay. Um, because that's generally where, like, the numbers lie. Like, if you look at, you know, the best... By that standard, the best snatch of all time was when Blagojev snatched um, 195.5 at 90, which meant he... 105.5 kilos over body weight. Yeah. <clears throat> Which no one has ever done more than that. Um, I don't I don't think even in like national competition someone has done more than well, you know, maybe actually I do remember Ribikov once snatched one ninety one or meet in Belarus when he was competing in general as an eighty five kilo lifter. Mm -hmm. But I don't know what he actually weighed that day. In theory that could have been one oh six over if they actually had him make one oh five. Or sorry, make eighty five that day. So he could have snatched 191 at 85, but I don't think he did. Um, and there's a couple other, you know, big kind of national level uh, results. But in general, the Blagojev one is for sure the best ever international thing. But um, And then, of course, the most recent person to snatch 100 over was Lou at the Olympics. He did 177 at 77. So 95 over, that's it. We're talking about just a couple of people who can really do that. Yeah, I mean, weakness. you know, Liao did 166 at 69, so that's 97 yeah. over. Yeah. So that's, a, that's in my mind, that's a better snatch. And he's already, like, outliers. Like, well, well, we're talking about the world records yeah. here. You yeah. know what I mean? It's like, obviously, um, Georgi Markov held the world record that Liao broke. He did 165 at 69, so that's 96 over. So really, like, once you get into, like, the 90s, you start to, as you go from... Like ninety to ninety-five, you start you start talking about some really really good snatchers. As you go from ninety-five to a hundred, you're talking about some of the best snatchers of all time. And you're, then you're talking about like really big like world records. 
and then as you get over a hundred, you're talking about literally like three or four people yeah. that are like literally the greatest of all time in terms of snatches. Like you're talking about Ribikov doing 187 at 85, which a lot of people consider to be the toughest world record in the old yeah. like 1998 to 2018 record. Yeah. And then you're talking about obviously the Bogoyev one. Another one would be Niku Vlad snatching 200.5 at 100. Mm-hmm. So that's 100.5 over. And obviously, I'm not talking about their actual body weight. I know some of them were like, you know, a few hundred grams lighter. So maybe he was like 100.7 over or something. I'm talking about their weight class. So he was... (coughs) Gregor's having some trouble with his latte. (coughs) Swallowed that wrong. Goddamn, inhale the lead of latte. But still, like the 100 plus snatch over body weight people are insanely, insanely exclusive. I can only think of like five people or so that have ever done it, if if even that. So, um, but then like once you get down to ninety five, they're very very good, but it's definitely a lot more people. Like for instance, uh, the guy we were talking about last night, Lu Yang. I mean, he snatched one eighty at eighty five. Okay. I'm not sure if he ever did more than one eighty, but I know for sure he did one eighty. Um, and I'm sure he might have done more in China. I don't really know, like, all the Chinese nationals results from, like, 2007 or whatever. Like, I'm not I'm not that much of a weightlifting encyclopedia or whatever. But um, there's definitely a fair number of 95 over body weights. You know, not, uh, like I said, not a ton, but there's, there's a fair number. Once you get down to about 90... Then obviously people are still very good snatchers. We're still talking about like international elite kind of like world champion, even Olympic champion in some case level. But we're not talking about we're no longer talking about an exclusive club of about five or ten people once you're at ninety. Once you get down to like eighty five and eighty and (laughs) seventy five and stuff like that, we're no longer even talking about international elite in some cases. In some cases we're talking about people who maybe never meddled at worlds. Yeah. You know. So um of course, they're still good. You know, we're not talking about someone who, you know, isn't good at weightlifting. You know, where everything is relative. Like, when I say someone snatched 75 kilos over body weight, yeah. compared to the average person, they're literally in, like, the, the 1% of the 1% of the 1%. But compared to people who we're talking about, they're no longer special. Yeah, Ned and I are really spoiled when it comes to weightlifting <laughs> and <laughs> seeing our big lifts. Right. We're really spoiled. So going from Worlds to a national meet, uh, it's... Yeah. <clears throat> but anyway, so that's just yeah. trying to put some context into Tian Tao snatching, <coughs> snatching 181 at 96. He's, it's 85 kilos over body weight. It's good, but it's nothing great. Like, mm-hmm. for Tian Tao to be a truly special snatcher, in my mind, he's got to hit, like, 190. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, at a minimum, like, 87, 88 somewhere in that range to be like okay you're really hitting like elite snatch level and yeah. 190 or plus to me is very very elite because as you get heavier and heavier it does get more difficult mm-hmm. I mean like one of the best snatches of all time was Zakharevich doing 210 at 110 mm-hmm. so that's you know 100 kilos over body weight but it's the heaviest of 100 kilo over body weight that yeah that would have to be the heaviest 100 mm-hmm. kilos over body weight okay. um the heaviest double body weight was the Niku Vlad, mm-hmm. 200.5 at 100. Also, Niku Vlad, I believe... Yeah. 
I'm trying to think. Yeah, so two, 210 and 110. I mean, it has to be. I don't think anyone has... A, well, I mean, obviously no one has ever snatched like 215 laying 115. <laughs> so... Um, and just the fact of, of us laughing at that shows how absurd it is that Zakharovich snatched 210 at 110. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Um, yeah, of course, this was at the Seoul Olympics, where I believe he did 210, 245, or something like that. Um, which, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure of that one. At one point, Zakharovich actually also cleaned under a 250.5 at 110, which is a crazy yeah. lift as well. But. Um. Yeah, you know what? You know what's another bit of interesting trivia. Let's see how good Gregor is at, at weightlifting trivia. Oh God, putting on his mind. I'm terrible yeah. at it. He Eric, knows I'm terrible at it. I, I know Gregor's terrible at this, yeah. but I think it'll be interesting. Okay. So we're talking about these numbers. Like, what's the most people have snatched over body weight? Mm-hmm. Do you know what? Who? What's the most that anyone has ever clean and jerked over body weight? I do not. All right, take some <laughs> guesses. All right, so I'll give you an example. <clears throat> Ilya, he did 246 at 105. Yeah. So that's 141 over body weight. Mm-hmm. So I'm already, I've already given you one that I know for a fact is one of the highest of all time. Yeah. And as another example, Zakharovich, this is what made me think of it, Zakharovich's 250.5 at 110 was 140.5 over body weight. I'm just so, seeing numbers flying by, listeners. So... So so here's the question. Okay. Who's done more than that and how much was it? Um, let's see. First of all, who has done like, a giant clean jerk in recent times? Well, I'm talking about all time. <clears throat> all time. And I will tell you this. that this Is it like Kurovich? Well, the, thing, the problem with Kurovich is that Kurovich in general... Now, I know early in his career he was not a super. Oh. But for most of his career, Kurovich was a super. But he was still not heavy. Like, but it, it, it doesn't matter because yeah. think about it's like it. One thirty over if, if, body if, weight. If you if you weigh one thirty, in mm-hmm. which case you are a light super. Yeah. In order to beat Ilya's one forty one, you need to clean under two seventy one. Yeah. So basically, supers are out, and that's by the way the reason that this whole like snatch over body weight thing, I don't really apply it to the ends of the spectrum. Like mm-hmm. I said, I apply it to kind of the middle. Kind of like the eighty plus percentile of weightlifters. That yeah, it's not a linear. Like, no, no, it's not. It's not linear. You can't compare like Wu Jing Biao's lift, which wasn't even close to being a uh, hundred kilos over. But I mean, Wu Jing Biao snatched one thirty nine at fifty six. Yeah. So he wasn't even remotely close. So by by middle of the the weight spectrum category, like you know, Wu Jing Biao was a, was an average snatcher in terms of being an elite snatcher. Hmm. But obviously, one thirty nine fifty six is like a stunning lift. So I don't, I don't apply it to those ends of the spectrum. I don't apply it to supers either, because obviously, Lasha is not going to snatch one hundred kilos over body weight. You know, he, who knows? Who knows? He, he gets he's snatching two seventy or whatever. Uh, um, so I, I don't apply it to that. But is it like Simon Kolechki or like so uh, Kolechki? Well, just just look at the numbers. So Kolechki yeah. did two thirty two point five at ninety four. So that's 138.5 over, okay, bo- over body weight. So what we're looking at is, like I said, I started off with a very elite one for you. Mm-hmm. The Ilya 141 over body weight is, I will tell you, one of the greatest of all time. Okay. It's not the greatest, though. Okay, let's let's hear it. I'm not going to figure it out. All right, so well, let's just go through a few more of these. What about, do you know what the old 82.5 no. record was? No. Okay, so... The 82.5 clean and jerk record, as far as I know, was held by Asin Zlatev, uh-huh. and he did 225 
at 82.5. I remember posting it at some point. If there's video, I think, yeah. There is video, yeah. yeah. So, Asen Zlatev, who was a very, very good Bulgarian. I think also that maybe at some point uh, Yuri Vardanyan also did 225, 182.5, but I think he did it after him. So, it was not a world record. But so it's like one, how much is it, 140 something? So, basically, if you take 225 oh. and you add 17 and a half to it, what do you get? I don't know. 225. <laughs> I'm sorry, take 25 and add 17 and a half to it. Uh, it's 42 or, and a half? Yeah. yeah. So, basically, he did 42 and a half, oh. 142 and a half over body weight. So, that beats Ilya, but it still shows how good Ilya's lift was in terms of lift over body weight. And by the way, in terms of clean and jerk, I don't necessarily do it the same way as snatching because it's a little bit different. But it's still, if we're talking about lifts over body weight, we're still talking about a retarded lift here. Yeah. 142 and a half over body weight. So I guess I'll give Gregor the answer because I don't think he's going to get it. So the answer is is that there were actually two people who did this lift. And the biggest lift over body weight ever was 140, sorry, 235 at 90. Who's that? Which two people did. Is it cocky? No. That was one of them. Okay. So I got one right, listeners. Gregor got one bit of weightlifting trivia right. Which never happens. Okay, um, continue. So, Kaki Kakashvili, who we were just hanging out with in Georgia, and yep. he was like, you know, he gave me a huge piece of cake in the media room. Um, <laughs> he... Yep. Uh, he did 235 at 90. Do you know which meet he did it at? No, of course not. Okay. So he did it He did it to win the, um, the 1992 Olympics. Okay. And he did it to beat Sirtsov, who outsnatched him by 12 and a half kilos. Jesus, poor so, Sirtsov. So Sirtsov snatched 190. God. Kakashvili snatched 177.5. Oh, and Sirtsov did 222.5 in the cleaning yeah. jerk. So keep in mind, Sirtsov did 222.5. At 90. That's a really big lift. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really big lift. And, of course, he snatched 190 at 90. So we're talking about... It's ridiculous. Going back to the, the snatches over body weight. We're talking about one more of the 100 kilo over body weight, guys. 190 at 90. Like I said, there's very, very few people who, who did that. Sirtsov being one of them. I think we've actually might have named every single person who did it. So if, we, if there's anyone who did it that we didn't name... I'm trying to think. Leave a comment if you know. I, I can't I think of another one who did it right now, um, like who who we haven't mentioned their name in this podcast yet. So maybe I'm maybe I'm missing someone. Um, but anyway, so uh, he did that basically to come back from a twelve and a half kilo deficit, and he needed the two thirty five at ninety to win because he had Sirtov on body weight at the time. It was body weight, obviously. But the other person to do it, do you know the other person to do it? No. All right, I'm going to give you clues. Oh, God, just... <laughs> he was Kazakh, but lifted for the USSR. Uh, Ned. He's no longer alive. Okay. His last name starts with K. <laughs> you could ask me my mother's name. I wouldn't know it right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, uh, Kropati. Oh, okay. I forgot. Kropati also did 235. Yeah, they have this Kropati Memorial to Tournament. Yeah. So, as far as I know, you know, the listeners could tell me if I'm wrong, but as far as I know, those two guys both did 235 at 90, and though that's the most ever clear jerked over body weight. Okay. Um, and Ilya's 141 
was definitely a top 10 lift, maybe even, I don't know if it was top five, because there were, there were a couple other big lifts as well, um, but it, it was definitely up there. I mean, for sure, 100%, as far as I'm aware, Ilya's lift was top 10 all time in terms of clean and jerks over body weight, 100%. Um, anyway um, yeah I hope you're still listening listeners I think we got into this because of Tian Tao why I was trying to say that Tian Tao is not necessarily an elite snatcher in my mind but he obviously elite is being used in a very very elite way here yeah this is not this is not is he good at snatching he's a he's a he's a great athlete great lifter super powerful um, you know, if he went to the Olympics, he's basically guaranteed silver or better, like all that stuff. But, um, yeah, he's, he's just not, he's not on the level of some of these top, top like snatchers. And I think he could be, um, on the other hand, his clean is on that level for sure. Like he, cause I mean, he cleaned 231 twice in a row. He cleaned 236 at worlds back in the day. I watched him clean 223, weighing 85 at the 2017 Chinese National Games. Okay. And do it not in a difficult manner. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I, I think he actually cleaned more than that at another Chinese event that I wasn't there for. I'm trying to remember. I know for sure that he made 221 at one point, and he, where he cleaned it and he jerked it. Mm-hmm. 221 at some point at a Chinese meet. I believe it was the one leading up to Rio. The same one where Lou did the 207 clean and jerk, which I believe might have been Lou's PR in any sort of competition. That 207, I think. Um, anyway, Tian Tao's clean. There's no doubt in my mind. Like, if he wanted to, he could clean almost, yeah, almost like in like the 240, 245 range. Like, I don't think you would see him fold until he hits like 250. You know, which is which is just a nutty amount of power. Yeah, and he just has great, great clean technique. I mean, he even on his super heavy ones like the two thirty six, he moves very well. He just, he just, it's so smooth, so powerful, so like, just like picture perfect, like super upright. Yeah, it's like perfect timing, meets the bar perfectly. Never looks like the clean's taking a lot out of him. He just, you know, isn't really a great jerker, but you know, it's another 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 issue. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, let's talk about the clean and jerk. So, Miso um, came out with 220. Um, he got it overhead. He cleaned it. Was it a split position? He just lost it forward in the split. He just yeah. I don't think he ever got his arms locked out. Okay. He, just, he just lost it. Second attempt, same, same thing, right? Um, I'm not sure. Second attempt, I... Th- don't remember. I remember there was one at least that he didn't even really attempt the jerk in any sort of meaningful way. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, so I talked to his physio. Yeah. So spoiler alert: he bombed in a clean jerk. Yeah, he did. And, bomb the, the and Ned talked to Hussein Satawi at Satawi on Instagram, um, who's his physio, and what did he say? He said that in the back, um, Miso started having problems at about one fifty. Which, which, I mean... That's for, a joke weight for him. For, for, for him, 150 is absolutely nothing. Like, yeah. You know, there's there's no, like, oh, you know... Some people like to be like, oh, well, you know, he's in competition, and he had to, like, cycle off for the people who claim that everyone's on drugs and not getting Guys, into drugs. Guys, you're idiots, but... Well, no, I'm, I'm not trying to get into the drug things, but some people are like, oh, well, of course he's having trouble because now he has to be clean. But, like, literally a few days ago, we were watching him clean under 250 in the training hall. Yeah. So... 
he was in good shape. His squat was strong. Like everything looked good. He snatched a PR. Blah blah blah. But Satawi or Hussein or whatever you want to call him, he basically said that he was starting to kind of like pass out and feel dizzy. So what we were speculating was maybe it had something to do with a weight cut. Maybe because I know that Misa was overweight. I don't know how how much, but I don't know either. I don't. They told me he was only overweight by a little bit. But in the past, he's said that to me before in situations where he really had to lose a lot of weight. Like, one that sticks out to me was 2017 Junior Worlds in Tokyo, where he was, I believe it was his last meet as an 85. He, um, he was basically looking really good in the training hall, just smoking stuff. Smoked like a 200 clean and jerk there, for sure. I don't remember exactly what he made, but um, he was smoking some big, uh, you know, lifts in the training hall. But it turned out which I didn't realize at the time, was that he was lifting at like 89, 90 kilos in the training hall. He was way overweight, and he just, he told me he told me that he was going to have to cut weight, but he didn't really let me know how much it really was, and he said that the weight cut just killed him, and he really just didn't have a good meat at all in the clean and jerk there. I think he barely made what he needed to win and whatever. Yeah. So this but, is we, tomorrow we're going to ask uh, Miso um, if he shows up at the... Uh, competition venue to the competition venue we were just going to ask him and like investigate what might have gone wrong somewhere yeah but it's very unusual for him to have any sort of problem with 150 like right he was so basically during the whole warm up he was having he was having problems and then he said Hussein told me this that basically the Iranians noticed he was having problems and what they did was they purposefully I don't you know even though I go to a lot of weightlifting meets, I don't understand necessarily all the ins and outs of the the, the rules for like changing weights in the back. Mm-hmm. For the simple reason that I'm not in the back. So, yeah. so the Iranians, for instance, um, Ayub took like two lifts very close to each other. Like yeah, two he, or five, he took two or five and two or seven basically to get some, him in like the right metal position. And then they and then he increased it to two twenty five. Two twenty five. Well, no, they didn't directly declare two twenty five. But what they did was they did something. That made it so Miso could not move down. Ah, okay. And they did this because I think they saw that Miso was struggling, and they thought that Miso would move down to lock up Silver. Yeah. Because Ayub had snatched, I believe, sixty-six, and Miso had snatched seventy-four. So Miso had a big lead, and if Miso had maybe made like you know two ten or something on an opener. Then, um, then, ba- then basically, uh, Ayub would have had no shot because there was no way Ayub was going to clean and jerk like two eighteen or two nineteen or whatever. Yeah. Um, so anyway, the, the Iranians noticed this, and Hussein said they made a smart move by basically moving their guy up. Now, as far as I know, if other people move up, you can still move back down. But maybe I don't know the rules for changes. I'm sure someone out there knows who's like a coach knows these rules better than I do, because like I said, I've never been a coach. Yeah. I've never been a weightlifter even. Yeah. Um, and I've never been in the back. I've never even read these rules in the IWF rulebook. So it's something that I just don't really know. Like as much as I spend time around weightlifters and weightlifting and other stuff, and there's certain things I like I know inside and out. I don't know these rules very well. So, but anyway, so they did something to um, uh, to basically force Miso to actually take his 220 and not let him move down. And um, it turned out to be a good move for them because, you yep. know, they ended up getting the silver medal because of yep. it. Yep, yep. Um, yeah, and also 
that so Chantal won with his clean jerk opener, two twenty. And then I don't know, he missed two thirty one twice. Yeah. Good cleans, no yep. jerks. Um, seemed kinda of frustrated. I mean I would be too. Well Tiantau's never been I mean never really been like a six for six, five for six, just, just like come out of smoke. Did lips. it ever happen? Maybe it has happened, you just don't know. I mean it might have happened, um, and it's not that Tiantau can't make kind of like a big jerk in a big situation. Because obviously at the Olympics he missed his first two and then he he uh, he did this at the Olympics where with both lifts he missed his first two. <laughs> That's why I call him Tian Heart Attack Tao, but he um he you know, he had to make a big lift at the Olympics. If I remember correctly at the Olympics, I think he made like two Seventeen, yeah, two seventeen. Yeah, and Tian Tao made a huge total at the Olympics. He did like 70, 78, yeah, seventy eight to two seventeen. So he did a three ninety five total, which is like tied for the second best total of all time in the eighty fives. Um, because I'm learning business. Because Rostami, oh, you didn't know this? No. So Rostami at the Olympics did 396. Tian okay. Tao did 395, okay. which matched the world record at the start of the competition because that would match uh, Rostami's 175 220 from earlier that year. Yeah. So Tian Tao did a 395 total going two for six. Would you say the 85 of the Olympics in Rio was the best weightlifting session you've ever watched? It, it might be in terms of the overall. No, of course. I'm like a, excitement going back and forth and like big weights. Yeah, it was. It was an exciting competition for a couple reasons. One was that it had um, it had a lot of big weights being done, even by people who like didn't even medal or didn't even really come that close to medaling. I guess like yeah. like Pilyshenko did big lifts. Um, obviously like Synchron did big lifts. You know, yeah, Synchron yeah. looked great at that meet. Now we all know what happened there, but. Um, just in, in terms of the actual session, not necessarily what transpired afterwards. Mm. Um, and of course, Pele Shenko has been like pop, I think, like multiple times since then. Who knows? I don't know, at least one time since then. Yeah. But he, uh, yeah, like in terms of actually just watching that session, it was nutty because, I mean, we saw like multiple, um, like just massive lifts for that category. Yeah. And it was also cool just because. It was a big back and forth that required Rostami to hit that 217 at the end mm. to make a world record and to win and to come back because Rostami, of course, had um, originally a bronze medal from London, which has, I guess, technically been bumped up to a silver medal because of Apti being popped for that medal. So I guess as of now, I don't know if they'll announce a retest at some point, but as of now, Pili Shen- or uh, not Pili Shenko, um Zielinski is still the gold medalist from London. Really? Adrian Zielinski. Um, so he, he won the 85 gold medal in London, and technically I guess Rostami has the silver, even though I don't think he really, in his mind, he has the bronze. Um, but anyway, so it was kind of Rostami's moment to come back and kind of like claim his Olympic gold medal and blah, blah, blah. blah. And, of course, there was just like a lot of uh, good battle going on, good battles going on in that session. <clears throat> but yeah, that was a great one. Um, but anyway, Tian Tao. But what I'm getting back to is that Tian Tao has stuck big lifts. Like he stuck a huge 217 in the Olympics. 
He stuck a massive 218 junior world record at the 2014 Asian Games, um, which I remember watching that, and I did not think he was going to make that because to that point, Tian Tao had been like... Obviously, he'd been a very, very good, like, 77-kilo junior in China. I think he did, like, like a something like world record level clean and jerks even as a as a junior mm-hmm. like wasn't he clean and jerking like 210 or something as a junior 77 I'm pretty sure that's, that's where I first heard about him was some meets in China where he was lifting as a 77 and I'm like what in the world is this guy doing oh. um, that's like I think I remember first hearing about him in like the 2010 to 2012 range somewhere in there um, but anyway he uh yeah, I mean that 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 two eighteen was really the first time that he hit like a super big lift in international competition, yeah. and so he's definitely capable of it. He's just not consistent. He's never been consistent in the jerk, especially. Yeah. And I don't know if he at this point if he ever will be. He'll always be capable, but I don't know if he'll be consistent. And it's two different things. Like you, I mean, none of us. I don't think there's anyone who would ever like bet their life against Tian Tao. Sticking a 230, a 235 jerk at the Olympics next year in the 96s. Yeah. Like, no one, if you were to bet your life against that, you'd just be dumb because yeah. he's clearly capable of it. But also, I would happily, happily <laughs> bet a lot of money in a 50 50 proposition that Tian Tao will not go three for three in the jerk at the Olympics. Okay, yeah. You know, like, so that's, there's two different things that we're talking about there. Capable but not consistent. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway. And then, uh, do you even want to talk about the seventy ones, or you just want to be like Rim Jong Sim one, and that's it? All right, okay, bye. Yeah, Rim Jong Sim one. <laughs> sorry, Rim Moon Sim. Rim Moon Sim. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Rim Jong Sim is tomorrow, right? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, it's gonna be a great time. I confuse um, them. They are sisters, by the way, for people who don't know that. Yeah, um, yeah. The seventy one, pretty uncompetitive class here, unfortunately. Pretty boring to watch. Um, well, we should point out that it was. It's not an Olympic class. Yep. So China doesn't send anyone. China, in general, um, has said to multiple people that I know in the Federation and elsewhere mm. that they're just not going to send people to non-Olympic classes unless there's like a certain special situation. Now, there's a couple of exceptions. Like, I think at Worlds, every once in a while, if they have someone kind of designated for another class, but that person yeah. could just win in the other class. Like, Zhang Wangli lifted... And they're on her way moving up to... Yeah, yeah, or on their way to another class. Like, there will be a couple of exceptions, according to what I was told, but in general, China is not going to have anyone who's, like, a dedicated non-Olympic class member going to international meets for those classes. It makes me wonder, what is Rim and Sim going to do? Have you talked to the coach? Well, I have not talked to the coach about it. She's down, maybe? Because she looks... um, she is more free. Yeah. Well, you know, North Korea has a big problem on their hands because... Well, North Korea has a lot of problems. You mean as a country? Yeah. As a country? <laughs> I mean, North Korea does have problems like such as sanctions, but yeah. North Korea has other problems in their weightlifting. Um, okay. The new classes were really, really bad for North Korea in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, they took away Amyun Chol's chance at being an Olympic champion. I mean, I think everyone knows that Amian Chol is, is in a lot of trouble in the 61s. Yeah. He's just not... Like, he would have been much better off. If they'd made 55 an Olympic category, he would have destroyed it. There's yeah. no one who could compete with him in yeah. that 55-56 range. Yeah. At least not consistently. Obviously, he lost in 2016, but 
just over the last, you know, seven years of international competition, there's no one who is as good as him in that weight category, and it's really not even close. At least not consistently. So that was bad for them, but it's actually really bad for them and the women, too. Now, obviously, for Rim Jong Sim, 76 is great. No problems. Yeah. Um, and I think she's a, essentially a lock to medal again, assuming she's there and not hurt and all that stuff. Mm. Not necessarily a lock to win. You know, we'll see. It, it, a lot of it depends on how Zhang Wanli looks tomorrow. Yeah. Um, in terms of whether I would say, because I've really, I've never seen Zhang Wanli lift as a 76. I'm curious to know, like, what she actually weighs in at. Is she going to be, like, 72.5, or is she going to be, like, 76? To me, she doesn't look 76 in training. No. But then again, I could just be misjudging. Sometimes, with some lifters, I misjudge weight. Like, to me, like, some lifters look bigger or smaller sometimes. But, like, Rimjong Sim, to me, looks much bigger than Zhang Wangli in training. Like, Rimjong Sim is, is, is pretty jacked. Yeah, it's a... Yeah. Um... But yeah, so Rimjong Sim, it's fine. But their big problem, this is a big problem for North Korea, is they're, other than Rimjong Sim and um, Ri Chong, or what, what's her name? Ri, Ri Sang Gung, sorry. Ri Sang Gung, just I was a small confu- one. Yeah. I was confusing, confusing the, the male, like Ri Chong Song or whatever. Ri Sang Gung, they're both Ri, so yeah. whatever. Ri Sang Gung is obviously very competitive as well, but she's not like an Olympic champion level. She's kind of like a probably maybe medalist sort of level. Mm-hmm. Um, assuming because China can only send one, Ri Sang Gung is probably going to be able to win an Olympic medal. Their big problem is that their their other good females are all in the same category. Yeah, they're all sixty fours. So, so we're talking about Kim Hyo Sim, Cho Hyo Sim, and Rim Un Sim. All three of them are really natural 64s. Yeah. And this is one of the problems. Like, I remember when the 64 class first came out and there was no 71 class in the Olympics. I remember saying something to Toma and I'm like, oh man, like, I'm like, I'm, I was like, first of all, I'm glad that they made a category that well works well for you. But I also messaged her and I'm like, the other thing that sucks about this is you just got put into the most competitive category in the Olympics, period. Yeah. And the reason is is that there's such small jumps before that. Because if you think about it, it goes 59, 49 to 55. Yeah. So 49 is not quite as competitive because there's not as many people who can make that. Like anything on the very edge is not necessarily as competitive just in terms of the sheer number of people in the world in that weight category. But yeah. then you have a bigger jump. You have a 6-kilo jump up to 55. Then you have a 4-kilo jump to 59. So 55 and 59 are naturally going to be less competitive just because... Yeah. It just evens out more. In between. Yeah, the people who were 58s could go down to 55. The people who were 58s could go up to 59. The people who were 53s could even go up to 59. Like, you know, there, there's so many more people and options and stuff like that. Even people who were 63, some of them could go to 59 yeah. to get a less competitive situation. The trouble is, is that everyone who's a 63, other than the ones who goes to 59s, and the 69, they, have to they kind of 64. have to go at 64, yeah. um, or they have to do kind of really crazy bulking in some cases. like Which would be unusual. Well, no, there, there are um, people the who are doing that. Don't get me wrong. Like There are 69s that went up to 76. An example would be like a Maddie Rogers or whatever. She basically concluded that she couldn't go to 64 because she would just be too tall and she's right she is way too tall to be a 64 but 
what happened with 64s is basically they, they're probably getting a significantly more people in that class. Mm-hmm. And it's a super hyper-competitive class because it doesn't get split the same way that like the 55s and 59s are so close that people can, people can move between those easier. Um, but anyway, so 64s is like a hyper-competitive class and it's really bad for North Korea because they can only send one. Yeah. Now, of course, you know, you could also look at it this way, which is that they were going to send, send Rim Jong-Sim anyway. Okay, mm-hmm. that's one. They were probably going to send Ri Song-Gum anyway. That's two. Okay. They were probably going to send Kim Kuk-yang in the supers anyway. That's three. And then for number four, they only get one. Uh, and so that, 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 that would be... That, that would be their, no, probably... I mean, it could be Kim Eun-ju. Mm-hmm. So... But she yeah. got two classes. Kim Eun-ju is 87 now, but 87 so non-competitive that they might send Kim Eun-ju to the 87. So okay. it might be one of these things where... They don't even send it. This is like crazy to think about, but they might not send a 64. Now, I think they will, because here's the reason. Uh, essentially, Rim Jong Sim, let's pretend that Zhang Wangli and Rim, Rim Jong Sim are going to have a good battle. No one knows who would win, but they're, they're close. But they're basically gold and silver. And let's pretend that Dung Wei, or not pretend, but we know that yeah. Dung Wei is a lock for first. Yeah. Okay. So essentially, North Korea is choosing from three people who they want to get a silver medal. Sounds fair, yeah. And same thing with Kim Kukyang. Let's say the Chinese decide not to send a super, Mm -hmm. the Russians send Kasharina, and they're basically sending Kim Kukyang to get what amounts to a guaranteed silver. Yeah. So they have two guaranteed silvers, they have one maybe gold, maybe silver, Mm -hmm. and then they have uh, Ri Song-gum, and let's say that she is essentially also a guaranteed silver with Ho, Zui, Hui, or whatever, however you say her name, being the, the gold. Then, you know, then then it becomes a matter of, like, they're deciding who to give silver medals to. So in that case, I would say you would call Rim Jong Sim a lock, mm-hmm. because she would have, let's say, a potential for gold. And you would say, okay, the, the other ones would be potential silvers. Now, I purposely didn't mention this, well, let's say Kim Eun-ju is like a lock for gold. Okay. I don't know if that's going to be the case because Wang Zhu-yu is, does appear to be what the Chinese have said is that she's going 87. Okay. And so if Wang Zhu-yu doesn't look that strong, let's say, and Kim Eun-ju is clean and jerking like 165 or something like that, then you would say Rim Jong-sim and Kim Eun-ju are locks. Mm-hmm. And then they're deciding how to distribute three other silver medals amongst two people. So I think a lot of it depends on how competitive the 49s look with Ri Song-Gum. Obviously this all depends on what sort of shape people are in as well, but I get the feeling that uh, Kim Hyo-Sim or Cho Hyo-Sim would be the most likely ones to go because they're both better than Rimun sim I feel like Rimun sims chances of going to the Olympics given this situation and the sort of shape she looks to be in I think that she is unlikely to to go. Okay. Yeah. Um, she, she just made her opener clean jerk today at one thirty. She didn't look good in the clean jerk. Yeah. She did snatch one eleven, but keep in mind she, I'm assuming she, you know, didn't weigh a full seventy one. Hmm. But let's just call her results sixty four, even though she technically definitely had to weigh more than sixty four. Yeah. You know, both of the other ones. Uh, 
did, can do much much better totals. Mm-hmm. Um Sim is not as good of a snatcher, but she's a she's a big clean jerker. I mean, she clean jerked one forty three at the Olympics at sixty three. Not done way level, but there's basically no one else who can do that. Yeah. And then um, Kim Hyo Sim is a huge snatcher. I mean, she snatched one fourteen. You know. So I feel like Kim Hyo Sim could be their choice at sixty four. But like I said, it's I don't. I mean, you know, it would be really much better for them if they could get one of these girls to somehow be a 59 and still be good. But I don't think they could because they both, they, they all look too big to be 59s. And I think that if they tried to do that five kilo cut, they would their numbers would just suffer and they wouldn't be able to beat Guo or Chen Gui Ming or, yeah, you know. So, yeah. I mean, there's, there's no point in them cutting if Guo can already hang with them for... Easily hang with them the clean jerk and still not be that. I mean, obviously she's fairly far behind Kim Hyo Sim in the snatch, but Cho Hyo Sim and um, Guo are pretty much neck and neck in the in the snatch, and and Guo is you know significantly in the in the ballpark. I would say in the clean and jerk. So there's really no point for them to cut to 59. So essentially, uh, yeah, North Korea, you know. It would be much better for North Korea if they had a good 59 instead of having good 64s, because then they would have more options. Because, you know, what, what happens if if Guo gets hurt? Then all of a sudden the 59s are a lot more wide open. No, obviously Chen Guiming becomes the big favorite at that point, but at least, at least it's more wide open. But North Korea doesn't have that many options. You know, and a lot of it, they're very reliant on what, like, Russia and China decide to do in some categories. Yeah. Because if, for instance, if if China decides to, for some reason, leave out a 49 the way they left out a 48. By the way, and that 48 was like a guaranteed gold they in Rio. Cool home, yeah. Guaranteed gold medal. They left a guaranteed gold medal behind. Now, of course, they sent what they thought were four gold medals. Of course, Lee Ajun didn't end up getting it, but they sent what they thought were four gold medals to, uh, to Rio. Um, and they got, let's see, they got... Uh, I don't remember who was... Sorry, not four gold medals, because they had six people in Rio, right? Or five people. I don't even remember who they sent exactly. I'm trying to remember. I know Meng Suping and Deng Wei and Li Ajun. Who else did they send to, to Rio? Oh, sorry. In um, in the 69s, they sent that girl, like, uh, Shangyang Mei. Oh, okay. Um, and she won, so that was another gold medal. Um, but anyway, so... The Chinese uh, um, could potentially leave their 49 out. They've, they've been known to do it before if they think they have five other, um, or sorry, four other gold medals. Yeah. So, you know, if they decide that their 49 isn't quite as likely to win or something like that, you know, all of a sudden that could be something where Ri Song Goom is the 2020 Sri Surat. Sorry, not Sri Surat. <laughs> T- Tanasan. Yeah, Ta- the the twenty set to twenty twenty version of Tanasan. Of course, both Tanasan and Sri Sharad are are gone at this point. But yeah. you know, Tanasan obviously lifted well forty eight, but she got absurdly lucky to to get that gold medal <laughs> because, like, I mean, every other forty eight in pretty much you know the last like twenty years or however long it's been that since women have been in the Olympics, every other forty eight for the most part has had to deal with Chinese I guess like the first one the, the US one Tara not Cunningham she didn't but um, 
or she didn't get you know a, a super elite Chinese in her session, but yeah. for the most part, the Chinese dominate the forty-eight slash forty-nine category. And I wonder what who felt when she watched that session, or if she even watched that session. Like, oh my god, at home, she seems pretty chill and laid back. Um, but then again, uh, I don't remember who it was that was telling me about this. Was it actually was it Larry that was telling us about this? Oh, I think it was. About how furiously Outway was oh, yeah. when he found out about 2016. <laughs> yeah, he I mean, Larry. yeah, I think that was Larry. Larry said that he was kind of at the same training base, not in the same hall, but kind mm-hmm. of at a hall next door on the same base. Yeah. At the time when uh, Liao found out that he was not going to be sent to Rio because he previously of a drug positive in 2010, yeah. which he had already come back from. But yeah, the Chinese like oh, they decided they yeah uh, just. Yeah, you can say it. Yeah, the Chinese uh, Federation decided we are not going to send anyone... Oh, it was the Olympic Committee. Olympic Committee. It, was, it came from much higher than the Federation. Oh, okay. So, yeah, they decided we are not going to send anyone who has ever tested positive at some point before. So that immediately removed Liahui from any chance of getting to the Olympics again. Yeah. yeah. So, I think what, what the Olympic Committee basically gave as a directive, the way it was explained to me back in like 2016... Was they gave as a directive any sport that the Chinese were sending people to, all of the people had to have a clean past. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, now, what I don't know is maybe maybe the Chinese said this only applies to situations where we're still going to get a medal or a gold medal mm-hmm. <laughs> with okay. the with the replacement. Yeah, okay. because that, that's what I would suspect. But I think they wanted to send the cleanest version of a team possible because they knew what it would look like. Because they, they knew that, you know, this was at a time where a lot of retests were being announced. There was a lot of, like, will Russia be in the Olympics? And then right. every federation was getting to decide will Russia be in the Olympics? And this, like, ARD German... It's ARD, right? Yes. This ARD German documentary really blew up the whole, like, drug... You know, behind-the-scenes drug scene. got that the ball rolling. Yeah. Got the ball rolling on the stuff. And so they... Um, what they what they did was they basically I think that their thought process was we want to be you know like well, let's say like the New York Times or some Western you know media decides hey we're going to do an analysis well the Chinese sent 893 people to Rio and of those 893 like 27 percent have a drug positive in their past like they didn't want anyone to be able to write that article yeah. Or that's that category of articles. They wanted people to, to be like, look at the Chinese team and be like, oh, they sent 893 people and not a single one has ever been caught. Yeah. You know what I mean? That, that's, that was what they wanted. Um, once again, I'm making up numbers. And I don't know that the Chinese sent like a 100% clean mm-hmm. team. I know that in weightlifting, none of the people had been associated with a drug positive. Yeah. But there's then again, there's not that many weightlifters from China who have really been popped. Like it's, yeah. you know, Liao Hui was kind of an exception to get popped for an anabolic steroid, which mm. is not, you know, it's, it's happened to some other Chinese, but it's certainly not a, a common thing. So um, basically, that was what happened to Liao, and Liao was apparently very angry about this. Yeah. And apparently, it's to the point where. I don't know, you know, he is, an, he is an Olympic champion. He is a world, multiple world champion. He is, of course, he won at home, too, so that's even a bigger deal, I think. Yeah. Um, and he, you know, set 
multiple world records and all the stuff. I mean, there's no doubt he's one of, I mean, if not arguably the greatest Chinese male lifter of all time. Like, I mean, you could make the argument that that he is um, because he really was a master of both lifts. You know, like Lou really has never been a master of the clean and jerk. He's done big clean and jerks. They've been elite, but Lou was never really a master of the clean and jerk. Like Lou, to my knowledge, never set or even, oh yeah, no, I know for sure. He never set a clean and jerk world record. Liao Hui set snatch world record and clean and jerk world record and total world record. Um, And is there another Chinese male who's done that? That's another good trivia question. That's um, me. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. I know of other Chinese male records. Like, for instance, um, you know, like Long set the world record in the fifty sixes with a three hundred seven total in Rio, but Long did not have the snatch record or the clean jerk record. Mm-hmm. He only set the total world record. And I know of other records that Chinese males had, and maybe like there's something I'm missing where a Chinese male held all three world records in like the sixty twos and like. 2006 or something before I started paying attention but maybe Urpel if you're listening yeah Urpel um, Urpel would know this yeah yeah Urpel would know this um, so I'm, I'm gonna guess though that if there is another Chinese male who held all three world records um he, I mean there, there aren't a lot of them that's that's for sure like there, it's, it's not like it's not like the Chinese have like six males who held all three world records. Yeah. Yeah, the Yahoo, as I said, master of both lifts for sure. Yeah. So all, all, I mean, all things considered, he's definitely one of one of the best Chinese male lifters of all time. But according to people I've talked to, there's like no way he would ever want to be a coach or even really be involved because I think he's still really angry about 2016. But but maybe he'll uh, he'll you know soften with age and eventually be, be into it. You know, so we should actually go pay because it is 138 and they close at 2. Let's just get, I have one more topic I want to talk about that okay. you discovered last night which is um, the discussion that Dania Ismailov and uh, Dani Gudeli are out of the Olympics from a points standpoint. Maybe not. Maybe not because another qualification event that is going on in this period. In, uh, Starting in like a day. Yeah, it starts like tomorrow, on like the 27th. So. Are the Arafura Games in yeah. Australia? So there would be like if they somehow get Gudeli and Ismailov entered into these competitions, there's potential for them to earn points for the first. Um, what do you call these uh, trimesters? Trimesters. Yeah. yeah. So, in theory, not yet out. I just wanted to mention that because you found it out last night. Well, I was just thinking about it because they, you know, people said, or the conclusion on Reddit was, oh, these guys are out. Yeah. And the answer is, is probably that's true. I yeah. don't know. You know, something like the Era 4 Games, it does say games. Which, which is a multi-sport event? It means it must be a multi-sport event because uh-huh. they don't use games unless it's multi-sport. And typically with multi-sports, you can't just enter someone like, you know, 10 days before the event or whatever, mm-hmm. which is essentially what would have been happening with like Godelli and Daniar after they bombed out at Euros. Yeah. So the question is, is what were their federations uh, looking forward to the fact that maybe their lifter would bomb out 
and just in case we should enter them into the Aerofora games in yeah. Australia and then book a ticket 10 days out and get them there to, to lift or whatever. Yeah. So maybe maybe they were thinking about that or maybe um, maybe someone was able to pull some strings to get these guys into it and maybe we'll see them at the Aerofora games. Like, maybe the Aerofora games turn out to be the refugee games for weightlifters because there's a bunch of names listed. There's some old Romanians coming. Uh, one prominent uh, Russian lifter who we all want to see lift in uh, Tokyo is going to compete, uh, namely Oleg Chen. He will get a qualification event in. He told us in, in Georgia. I hope he shows up, actually. Um, he was looking strong in Georgia. Um, snatching big weights, jerking 95. Yeah. Yeah, so maybe these are the refugees. Well, Oleg... Oh, uh, sorry, Oleg. They call him Oleg. His, his Oleg. name... Um, According to Russians, which I assume they know what they're doing, is Oleg Chen. Yeah, every so they, O is an A. Yeah, O's are, well, not everyone, most of them are like, you know, the the, the thank you in Russian, which is spelled Spazi Bo, is actually Spazi Ba. Yeah, Akulov. Akulov, so, yeah. No. yeah. So no one, no one in, you know, everyone in America calls him Artem yeah. Akulov, which is actually Artyom Akulov. Yeah, Artyom. It's like A-R-T-I-O-M is really the best way to spell it, even though they don't spell it that way. Yeah. And then it's Akulov, Artyom Akulov. And I'm probably still saying it a bit wrong, but it's definitely much more right than Akilov yeah. or something like that. But anyway, we will see. I'm interested to see the Era 4 game Star Wars. I would not be surprised to see Godelli and or Dania are on that list. Cause Actually, Dania, I would be surprised because he just posted on his Instagram his knee being in a knee brace. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, I forgot about that. It just um, was reminded me. I mean, obviously, Dania uh, would not have put up a big total anyway. So he would be relying on getting points in later trimesters to, mm -hmm. to qualify for the Olympics. Now, Goodelli... Looked to be in really good shape. Daniar didn't really appear to be in very good shape. No. So, you know, Gadelli, I I think would there's a there's a bigger chance that he'll he'll show up there to get some points. Yeah. Because Gadelli, like he was power cleaning and clean and jerking 175 in yeah. the training hall. So he, I mean, he's he's got like the. the I think he's something above 70 in training too. Did he? Some, something crazy. Yeah. I don't know. But anyway, um, yeah. Yeah, so I just wanted to mention that. Um, tomorrow, Rim Jong Sim, Zhang Wang Li. I'm super fun. pumped for that. That's yeah. like my favorite women's battle that I can think of in this whole meet. Yeah. Because a lot of them are relatively uncompetitive. Like, Rim Moon Sim won easily. Dung Wei, everyone knew she was going to win. Uh, the, 59 the 59s was, was a good battle, but yeah. like Guo just looked too strong, and Cheng Liming just didn't have like have it, have it in her to pull out the big clean jerk. No. And like you know, and, uh, 55s like Liao it, just looked pretty good, like pretty dominant. Like it's just anyway. In the women's supers, I'm looking forward to see the Li Wen Wen, like maybe even give uh, Meng Ping kind of a hard time because this 19 year old, I think she's 19, or maybe 18 or not. Let's call her 19 year old. She's done probably 45, 85. I think she might be 18. Isn't she a 2000 birthday? Uh, I don't know. Uh, But I think in the last year she did like some really heavy weights. Um, let me see. Let's yeah. see if I could pull up. And she was completely off my radar until um, Purple reminded me about her. Purple always knows about Chinese first and foremost, but also. 
he's a really big fan of like female supers for some reason. Like he knows like like Rowais is his favorite female like USA lifter for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, she's a 2000 birthday, so she is 18, and she just turned 18 about a month and a half ago. It is insane. Yeah. It is absolutely insane. The number she put up. UAE does not look like a factor. UAE has a 90 kilo entry total <laughs> in the 87 oh pluses. A total. <laughs> a 90 kilo entry total. Keep in mind, everyone else is starting at 240. Sorry, the, the lowest other entry total is 240. All right, I'm going to go out on a limb and say UAE will not win this. There's two good Koreans. There's oh, yeah. uh, uh, sorry, South two good South Koreans. There's another. There's three good Koreans. There's a PRK one, and there's two uh, South Koreans. Um, and of course, there's the two good Chinese, and you know, there's an Indonesian girl who's somewhat competitive. Probably not going to medal, but she's good. Yeah, and then there's UAE with a 90 kilo entry total. Mm-hmm. You know. Well, maybe maybe not going to win this one. We'll we'll chalk her up as like a future candidate. <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay. All right. This yeah. was another solid ninety-minute episode. Um, yeah. Thank you for the comments. We received some feedback. I some people some... actually listened to the past episodes. You know, um, I also want to point something out. Okay. The first person to comment on Patreon with the word poster gets a free signed poster of their choice from Gregor's collection of signed posters. All right. So the first person who made it all the way here and is Comment a, right now. And is a Patreon or sorry, is a patron of all things Jim. So, you know, if you're listening on uh, you know on the two doctors, on the two doctors you might or, want to sign or, up right now because there's somebody already <laughs> commenting right this second or, or iTunes someone has written P-O-S and is still yeah. looking for the T on their keyboard so you definitely want to sign up you stupid Mac keyboards probably the T is stuck you still have a chance right now also this won't get shipped for about a week because Gregor won't be home oh easily no, this is going to ship uh, sometime <laughs> in May also Gregor probably doesn't know his exact inventory so there's a chance that you know it, yeah. it, it might be a few weeks before you get information on this but Gregor will mail this to the the patron to comment the word poster first. Anywhere on the world where DHL delivers. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully you'll be in the... Please be in Germany and make it really cheap for me. Cause they if do I ship deliver it, to PRK. Did you know that? Insane. Yeah. DHL. So maybe, maybe. Amian Chol is going to win this. Amian Chol, if you're listening, <laughs> just finish typing poster. And <laughs> yeah. The, the T is near the top. So it's like, it's, like, it's like top middle, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, anyway, uh, the first person to comment that gets it. Um, okay. So we'll see. I mean, this is. I would. I would guess there aren't that many people getting all the way here through all these podcasts. But I actually do get some feedback. But it's kind of the same people every time. Yeah, it's the hardcore fan. So there, there's about. Four Imagine what must have happened for someone to still be listening to this. They must have somehow climbed over the hill of our thirty Chinese minutes banking system <laughs> <laughs> discussion. So. <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't. I, I get this comments from about four or five different people. Yeah, um, a few of whom I know, a few of whom I don't. Like one guy today suggested that we make a cliff notes with uh, timestamps for the whole thing, and the, the, the answer to that is that I just don't care enough about this to do that because 
That's that's very time consuming for yeah. me because either I could take notes while we're doing this. There are actually apps like this app I'm recording on right now. We could have hit this button and add chapters. Chapters. Okay. We could have done that. So this is like a podcast recording app. It is. It's a phonic app. In, in case you're listening. So anyway, yeah, um, it, it's a fair amount of work. Yeah. I don't really care that much if people yeah. listen or not. I mean, so once we stop know, the recording, I'm basically putting this through the um, like audio processing software to boost our levels and boost, boost the white balance of this podcast and then yeah yeah it goes up hopefully yeah. tonight I mean I, I obviously you know I, I want to like do a good job I don't want to just sit here and talk about like Chinese banking for half an hour or something stupid like that but put me on the spot with like my trivia lack of trivia knowledge yeah I like to put Gregor on the spot with things so we'll probably do that more in future podcasts right. it's, it's a segment of the podcast <laughs> yeah great. and no trivia <laughs> Gregor, Gregor. Gregor panics <laughs> shit yeah I, I had a look of panic on my face yeah <laughs> don't do it don't do it yeah but uh, anyway the uh I don't. I don't. It's not that I, I want to just ramble and, and bore people, but I also don't really care. Like if if people don't want to listen to it, don't yeah. listen to it. Don't I don't, don't send us like hate mail. You I don't, don't give a fuck. Yeah, I don't expect. A, <laughs> I don't know if I like don't give a fuck is my level, but I, I, <laughs> I, 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 I care about saying 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 stuff that's relevant, giving yeah. people interesting stories, interesting information, yeah. stuff like that, but. I also, you know, I understand that this is like a very niche podcast. <laughs> that this is never going to be widespread. It's one of the reasons I have not done a podcast for Hook Group. Yeah, is just because I think that we would have a dedicated audience of about forty people. <laughs> like, sounds about right. Yeah. That, that's like where I would put our listeners at if we if we did a Hook Group podcast. Yeah. Now, that's fine and all, but it's just not worth the time to book appointments with people. You know. Uh, write out lists of questions, try to do this, try to do that. It's just like there isn't enough of an audience for this sort of thing for me. Or or I'm just not entertaining enough, which I think it's all of the above. But there's just not a big enough audience for this sort of stuff for me to put a lot of time and effort into it. Like what I could do when I go home from this is I could edit CJ's 191 video, which is probably going to have a 100 plus thousand views on Instagram within a day. Yeah. Or I could make chapters for a podcast that gets listened to by 17 people and it's 30 minutes of it is the Chinese banking system. So I could do one of the two. I have to choose the one that's more popular. Let that sink in for a second. CJ Clean and Jerk 191. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I'm going to let Gregor wrap this up. I'm going to go yeah. pay for this with my newly minted functioning WeChat pay. Oh my God. <laughs> I would love to see a slow motion of this right now. Ned is going to the counter. Yeah, CJ basically destroyed Pan Am's. Um, just think about like the level. He's just 18 and is coming pretty close. Granted, it was a PR. He's coming pretty close to Xi Jinping. Um And I'm hearing that uh, his coach's goal for the Olympics is to have him like touch 200. I couldn't be more excited for this. Like He's... So good. So happy to see him do well. He also snatched 53. Yeah. Well, one, 153, which is like absolutely insane numbers. Are we going to podcast? Yeah, we're yeah, we walking out we're right walking now. Out now. Yeah. By the way, that was insanely easy. I handed him the bill. Yeah, I, how I, fast I, was Ned back with it? <laughs> I, I held my phone over. By the way, and that was like a probably 10-second walk or something. Yeah. I held my phone over a little thing. It beeped. And he was like, okay, okay, goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> 
So that's WeChat. WeChat paid for you. And I love being able to spend my WeChat money because I had 966 RMB in my WeChat. It's like 150, a little bit less maybe. A little bit less, like 140, something like that, dollars. That was all I had left after a few years ago I had added maybe fifteen or sixteen hundred dollars to my WeChat. I like maybe two years ago almost. Yeah. I'd added it because at the time you were able to transfer um, sorry about the loud people, but at the time you were able to transfer money between people, so I basically gave a Chinese person money and he sent me money on WeChat. Yeah. So right now we're walking through Ningbo. It is I think almost 2 a.m. and the streets are packed, restaurants are open. We're dodging people. We're dodging people, honestly. And dodging cars. Our hotel is in one of the busiest uh, restaurant, like foodie areas, I think, in Ningbo. I'm just claiming that right now. Yeah, we don't know that. Probably not true. We've only been in a small area. What day is it today? Isn't it like a weekday? I don't know. I lost track what day it is. Oh, it's Thursday night. It's Thursday night and the streets are packed. And that has been basically the case every night we've been here. Um, yeah, you can get great food. Oh, yeah. And yeah, there's usually cars, and what's even worse is there's scooters. And right now, did you hear it? You probably didn't hear it because <laughs> the scooters are electric. Yeah. For the most part, somebody said hello to me. Hello, buddy. What's that? <laughs> um, a lot of people here only. Oh, that dog just took a dump in the middle of the street. Oh. And then sprinted off. <laughs> um, <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah. Wow. Well, yeah, dog. you see. Yeah. And now he's peeing on a cone, and now just spread it off again. He looks super wow, cute, this dog though. He looks just, like a cloud. He's yeah, so happy. This dog is just wrecking the street right now. <laughs> Causing a havoc. Wow. It's amazing, yeah. Um, um, so, yeah, silent scooters who almost run you over, because you don't hear them. Like, and usually there's a lot of honking on the street, too. Man, lots of people out still. Oh, anyway, so going back to this WeChat thing, I oh, had yeah. 966 in it. I was not going to spend a single RMB of that if I didn't have to, because until today, I couldn't recharge that anymore, yeah. and it was just going to go down until zero, and then I would just never be able to use it again. So what did you use WeChat Pay for in the past? Hello, what's up? Sorry. Nice to meet you guys. <laughs> I love you. Oh, you do? Oh, you. I love you too. <laughs> Someone just yelled, I love you, at Gregor. Um, oh. I guess that's all they, maybe all they know in English, or you just fell in love. Yeah, I just fell in love. It's one of the two. Man. There's a little lip in all right, the front Ned, of our You can go to, to, your, to our room. I'm going to be out tonight. Yeah, Gregor, Gregor fell in love. Yeah. Oh, we just, so this was the walk from the uh, from our Kidding Me restaurant to the hotel lobby. Yeah, we just is, entered. Which smells like a big it's, smoke cabin. Yeah, it's super disgusting. So we're entering the elevator right now, probably. So, um, calling it right now. So in terms of the, the WeChat money, what I used it for was I basically used it as like a small payment service for mm-hmm. um, people that we buy some products from in China. So as an example, when we got the hooker at Mugs made, I had to pay the sample fee. And the sample fee was a couple hundred dollars. And the problem is, is that the way you, you, a lot of Chinese uh, companies cannot use PayPal. In the same way that a lot of us can't use WeChat Pay. Mm. Now, some of them can. I don't entirely understand why some can, some can't, or whatever. But essentially, the company told me they couldn't accept PayPal. Yeah. You know, so whether they could or not, that was definitely what they said. But um, essentially, the only other real good way to pay would be like a bank wire. 
but my bank charges $45 as a fee for an international wire. Yeah. So why would you pay someone $250 and then pay a $45 fee? It makes a lot more sense if you're spending some sort of uh, much more significant sum of money to pay a $45 fee. Yeah. So it's not so convenient on WeChat where there's some limits. By the way, we're back in the room now. Yeah. It's not so convenient on, on WeChat pay where there might be like a 10,000 RMB per day limit and you're trying to send someone a much more sizable sum of money. But um, WeChat's good for these little sample payments. So I could just send them payments in like yeah, a couple minutes. Like when we were developing the knee wraps, we did a whole bunch of different samples of the knee wraps. Like the company would make like 20 meters of a sample. They would say, oh, well, a lot of times they would do the sampling for free, but they would have me pay the DHL like courier charge. And so I would be like, I would have to pay them like $28 or something yeah. and to, for them to send over a sample for me to test it. So the easiest way by far to send $28 was for me to just go to WeChat and just send them $28. Yeah. I mean, I'd send it to them in RMB, but send them the equivalent of $28. So what I did was I managed to go through, over the course of two years, I managed to go through like a thousand something dollars on my WeChat. But I and now you I found recharge it. That's the problem. Well, I didn't know I couldn't recharge it till I got here. Yeah, I got here. Um, I had someone from one of the companies that we buy stuff from. I basically asked her. I said, "Hey, if I give you cash, which I took out of an ATM, which works perfectly fine, you can just go to an ATM, take out RMB cash the way that you would at home, where you get US dollars, or if you're from the US." Um, I basically said, hey, can I give you RMB and you send me some WeChat money? So I, I think I see that said something like maybe like 4,000 RMB, which is like another like 500 something dollars. So she said, okay, sure. She went to send it. I hit, I hit accept and it popped up with a thing that said, due to local regulations, you must verify your your ID. And I'm like, okay, no problem. Click like verify ID. And then it's like, Enter a bank card. And I'm like, <laughs> bank card? Okay. So I've, you know, put in my debit card. And of course, it's like, that's not a valid number. Yeah. Because so. they're basically looking for a Chinese mainland bank ID. So it's not going to work for Hong Kong banks. It's not going to work for Taiwan. Taiwan. It's not going to work for like Macau or any of these like quasi regions of China. Like it's looking for mainland China bank accounts. And um, yeah. Anyway, now, now I'm good to go, but. Um, I was definitely not going to spend any of that because I was going to save that 966 RMB for sample payments, which wasn't going to get that far because <laughs> yeah. it's only like $150. Like I was only it's able like five to, samples. it's only like assuming they're free samples and they're lightweight samples. That's like maybe four <laughs> more samples that I could buy yeah. easily without having to pay $45 uh, wire fees and all that nonsense. <laughs> but anyway, I'm going to give... Gregor, the phone. I think we're going to cut this off. It's been pretty soon, yeah. Hour 45. My last uh, mission is to... I'm going to take a photo for you guys of our hotel room. Because <laughs> it looks epic right now. Our hotel room... You know, uh, we should mention this, too. Like, we don't really bother to keep it neat. And this isn't how I like that, to live. That's a home. fair statement. Um, like, at home, I have much... I mean, I, you know... Hopefully, the, the thing that's missing in these... girlfriend did not get to the end of this podcast. Because she's going to claim that I'm messy. And it is true that I'm messier than she is because she's like kind of like a neat freak, but I'm not this messy at home. Like this is another level because the thing is that we have nowhere to put stuff away. We don't There's no have, shelves. Here. Yeah, we, we don't have shelves. The closet has like five hangers in it. Yeah. 
and there's just not enough room for stuff. So, You've seen it when Ned did his laundry earlier. Yeah, I had laundry everywhere. In the everywhere. Room. Literally, I had to have Gregor take his towel out of where he was holding it just because I, I needed that spot to hang stuff up. Yeah. There's no shelves. There's no nothing. So the room turns into a giant mess. And that's just how it always is. And I've come to accept that's how it will always be when I'm on these trips. Yeah. So. And with that, um, thank you for listening. Omion Chol, if you're still looking for the E, it's right next to the T. <laughs> yeah. So, guys, you still have a chance to get that poster. Um, thanks for listening. Follow us on Instagram at Ned Aram and at Gregor Winter. By the way, in the future, speaking of which, I could talk about... I've had some experience interacting with the North Koreans while, yeah, they, while, while they interact with technology. And we actually have... We got some questions about shooting and interacting with the North Koreans. Mm -hmm. um, and we'll definitely get into that in, uh, in another one coming up soon. Yeah, for we sure. we completely forgot about it. And when I said North Koreans and stuff like that, Gregor's eyes got big and he was like, put me on the spot. Let's talk about this. Yes. Um, we have plenty to, uh, plenty of more things, uh, topics to cover. Um, thank you for listening. That's all I was... I forgot something I wanted to say. Anyway. Anyway, comment poster. Yeah, comment poster and um, yeah, talk to you later. Bye.